While the home fans are becoming All Blacks fans, aren't they? There's growing frustration. It's growing frustration. You can feel it. You can feel it at start to front. Yes, welcome to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. Surly here with you on your Monday night for what will be the final Rugby World Cup Today show. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about. As you just heard there, the words of the great Daniel McCarty. It's fair to say yesterday's final didn't quite go the way I was hoping for, or many other Kiwis for that matter, with the Springboks coming away the victors, and deservedly so, 12 points to 11, and what was a dramatic and drama-filled 80 minutes. Unfortunately, a lot of the chat post-game has been around the impact of the officials, both the TMO and the referee, with the performance of the teams often taking a back seat in the conversations that I've had with rugby fans today. But I must say, credit does need to go to South Africa. Their ability to create a game plan and execute it to precision is pretty world-class. Their kicking game, their defensive effort was amazing, and as a result, they become the first nation to win four Men's World Cups while also going back to back and winning their third straight finals game by one point in this World Cup, which is pretty crazy to think. Bet France by one, bet England by one, bet the All Blacks by one. Just goes to show sometimes the smallest margins can make the biggest difference, and in doing so they've cemented themselves in World Cup history. So over the next hour, I'll look to bring you up to speed with the latest news as well as continue to dissect this game and share some opinions and insights into yesterday's final. Joey Wheeler from Sky Sport, he'll be joining us on the show, one of the real MVPs from the TV coverage in my opinion. He really brought the energy and the fizz to this tournament, got amongst the All Blacks fans pre and post game and gave it a good crack as well yesterday. Unfortunately though, he wasn't able to dance on tables like he had predicted he would pre-tournament. But I'd love to hear from you tonight as well. How are you feeling today after you've had a day to reflect on what unfolded? Me, I still feel quite empty in the stomach. It just doesn't sit right that we got so close to winning that World Cup. What did you make of the game? What did you make of the World Cup as a whole? Now the tournament is over. Are you proud of the All Blacks? Much like a lot of us fans have already shared that we are. I'm sure there are a lot of you out there with plenty to say, so fire through your thoughts to double eight, double three, and I'll be sure to feature them where I can throughout the show. But without further ado, I've done my best to delay this for as long as I can because I really don't want to relive it all. But let's get into the highlights from yesterday's game between the Springboks and the All Blacks. Ball there for Lomax. He's drilled to the ground. Now swept away by Aaron Smith. Finds Shannon Frizzell. He can't get on a weak shoulder of Peter Steph to tour there because there's no such thing. Here's a chip over the top. Marty Sanders oh. almost had the bounce and almost had the first try of Rugby World Cup. Genius idea from, I think it's Geordie Barrett, dropped him onto the left foot, but the bounce of a rugby 16. ball is a cruel, wicked thing. Arensa leading the race, Arensa's got there, and as he held on to it, as he goes over the line, we have to check the replay. What happened there? Did Bowden Barrett just... I think he thought it was going out. Oh, he was... would have scored. Yes. Bowden Barrett, you need to wake up. Well, can he slip the tackle? He can. He's got Dalinde. Tries to get on the outside. Talia was left. He's done it. He's still going. Richie Mawanga on the inside. Aaron Smith the try. You are kidding me, Richie Mawanga. What a moment. What a try. And the All Blacks have the first try of the Rugby World Cup final in 2023. And with the kick to come, they could go in front with 27 minutes to go. Well, the home fans are becoming All Blacks fans, aren't they? 
is growing frustration. It's growing frustration. You can feel it. You can feel it at start to France. New Zealand trail by six. Mwanga away. Geordie Barrett, a big pass to the left flank. Talia carving back. Benny one, Benny two, straight eight. Offloading, picked up. Try, try. It's Boone and Barrett, is it? Oh, don't tell me they're going to rule this one out too. They'll look for the four pass. They'll look for a four pass, you are sure. From Geordie Barrett. But Boone and Barrett has gone in in the left-hand corner. New Zealand will not give up. It's 12-11, kick to come. New Zealand, a sniff to go in front. Oh, the irony. Wayne Barnes has correctly called a forward pass in the sense it wasn't a forward pass. It was back out of the hands. It's landed, then bounced forward. Oh man, hearing that really does bring back those moments from yesterday. What a roller coaster! Fourteen on the paddock for sixty odd minutes. The effort was massive from the All Blacks. Their desire to play entertaining and expansive rugby, despite the conditions, never faded. We came so close to winning that game on several occasions. Whether it was the horrible bounce of the ball to deny Artie Aaron Smith's try being disallowed after one of the great individual show and go goose step displays from Richie Mwanga, that was heartbreaking. Missed opportunity off the tee or final passes just not sticking but ultimately the All Blacks come up one point short with the Springboks pipping them thanks to four penalties from Andre Pollard who you have to remember came in as an injury replacement from Malcolm Marks and then went on to kick 13 from 13 throughout this tournament going 100% off the tee pretty remarkable stuff and another masterstroke there from Rassi and the South African coaching crew but we'll talk more about the game soon let's have a look at some of the news from around the grounds from overnight and today because there's plenty that's gone on despite the tournament effectively wrapping up. So we'll start with the World Rugby Awards which of course took place earlier today here in New Zealand. The All Black star Adi Savia, he took home the most prestigious award being crowned World Rugby Player of the Year. 2023, it's been another massive year for Artie. His form has been elite as it always is and his leadership both on and off the field has played a massive part in the turnaround in the form of this New Zealand side. He was exceptional again in the final and he pipped DuPont, Evan Etzebeth and Bundy Arkey to claim this award and well done to him. He really is one of the best players going around and just someone that you love hearing talk no matter what. He's always so humble and a leader that I think New Zealand rugby can certainly get around. Next up, his teammate Mark Talia also capped off a massive year being named Breakthrough Player of the Year. Again, another player that was amazing on Sunday morning as well, continues to wreak havoc on opposition defences. I haven't seen someone tackle him one-on-one first up over the past year, that's for sure. And on the weekend, he was at his menacing best again. While Ireland coach Andy Farrell, he was named Coach of the Year after leading Ireland to a 17-match winning streak. Many people claiming that South African coach Jacques Nienenbar probably should have been given this award but when you think at the last year of work from the Irish then it's hard to go past their coach and Andy Farrell then in the team of the year it was the players from four countries that made up this side with Ireland, France New Zealand and South Africa all contributing. It's interesting 10 players from the Northern Hemisphere and 5 from the South despite 3 Southern Hemisphere sides reaching the Rugby World Cup semi-finals 
and only one player from the world champion Springboks in Eben Etzebeth. So certainly some contentious decisions there. In regards to who was the biggest omission for me, I thought Geordie Barrett might have squeaked his way into the 12 jersey. You'd have to then move Bundy to 13 because of course he was nominated for World Rugby Player of the Year. But if you can move Will Jordan to the left wing to fit him into this team, then surely you can play around with that midfield a little. I think what Geordie has done over the last 12 months, moving into the 12 jersey from fullback and the wing, has to be one of the best player transitions to a new position that I have ever witnessed. And again, he was massive on Sunday morning. Then jumping across to a not-so-nice story that's emerged post this Rugby World Cup with referee Wayne Barnes receiving death threats and other abuse on social media after South Africa's win over New Zealand. Barnes's wife, Polly, she's spoken out on social media with the backlash that the official has received, writing, See you later, Rugby World Cup. Won't miss you. All the death threats. What a vile atmosphere at Stade de France. It's just a game. And then went on to use a word that I can't say in radio, but I'm sure you pick up the gist there. This to me simply isn't good enough, regardless of the outcome or how big a role you believe the ref has played in determining the winner of this game. It's one thing to talk to your mates about the performance, bring it up around the water cooler at work, but to go out of your way to send hateful messages to athletes, referees, officials or anyone really, it's just a bit over the line. And I know not just Wayne that's been a receiving these abusive messages as well. Kiwi referee Ben O'Keefe and many others have been having to deal with the same issues. It's pretty disappointing to see, and I think as fans we all need to be a bit better than that. Mentioned before, South Africa coach Jacques Nienenbach, he of course is departing to Ireland post this campaign to coach Leinster, but in the meantime the Springboks, they aren't going to rush to appoint a new coach with Rassia Rasmus stepping in as the interim head coach in the meantime. This comes after Sir Clive Woodward has made calls for Erasmus to head to England as the head of their rugby. I'm not sure if he would do that, Sir Clive. He's made all sorts of calls throughout this World Cup campaign, certainly been quite outspoken. Wouldn't be surprised if we see Rassi remain in this role and continue to work his magic with the Springbok side. Also on the topic of coaches retiring, of course, Sunday was the last game at the helm for All Blacks coach Ian Foster as Scott Razor-Robertson takes over the head coaching role from 2024. Fozzie was asked in the post-game press conferences what highlights and memories he will take from him, or he will take with him, sorry, from his time in charge of the side. Ian, it's the, um, the end of your journey with the All Blacks, with some ups and downs. Which, uh, what will you keep of it, out of it? Oh, I'd say there's a lot more ups and downs. To be fair, uh, it's a privilege. Um, it's not something that you that you just sort of you hope you get, and um, it's a privilege to have. And I've been privileged to be part of a special group of people. What's the highlights? Probably today. You know, we lost, but um, what you want as a coach is to get your team on the on the big stage and, and to have your team put their best foot forward. And um, and like I said, didn't get the result, the circumstances we had to adapt to, but couldn't be more proud. And lastly, it's the gift that keeps on giving and it's continued to dish up another plot twist today with Eddie Jones quitting as Wallabies coach after a disastrous World Cup campaign. Jones, of course, he was appointed into the role shortly after leaving his job as England head coach. However, he's now quit after Australia were dumped out of the World Cup in the pool stages. He spent just 10 months in this job, which is interesting as well, a very short stint. Here, we jump across to Tom Decent from the Sydney Morning Herald who actually broke the 
Eddie Jones to Japan's story during the tournament and he stuck to his guns despite Eddie holding a press conference to say he was staying. Tom always believed he was going, so here he is speaking with SEN Breakfast this morning. Tom, morning to you. I imagine you weren't overly surprised when this dropped yesterday. No, not particularly. It's been an absolute car crash over 10 months. Ready Jones, two wins from nine games, Wallabies first time bowing out in the pool stages at a Rugby World Cup. And um, 12 or 13 days ago, he said he was committed for the long haul and to see out his contract till 2027, and he quit last night. So, um, yeah, a very sad day for Australian rugby. So there's obviously blame that lies with Eddie, but how much blame, what portion of it resides on the desk of Rugby Australia? Well, yeah, it's a big question. Um, Hamish McLennan, the chairman, is sticking his, his heels in and says he won't resign. And clearly he was the guy who was instrumental in bringing Dave Rennie, uh, sorry, sacking Dave Rennie in January and bringing Eddie Jones in on a long-term deal. There's definitely going to be some hard questions after the, asked of RA's um, leadership for sure in the coming days. Uh, you've been hot on it and critical of Eddie, uh, Tom, and, and rightly so. You, you think, from what I've seen on your Twitter feed, certainly in your coverage of it, that most of the blame needs to go to him and in particular the Zoom interview that he had about switching to Japan in 2024. Is that accurate? Yeah, for sure. Look, that story is 100% right. My editors and and I stand by that story when we publish it and we still do. Eddie and, you know, multiple outlets have reported that he has a second interview lined up early next month and, and we will just wait and see on that front. I think there's still more to come on this story, but I think clearly Eddie's trying to spin this and say it's a bigger, broader Australian rugby issue, but as so many people are saying to me and probably your your listeners, that it didn't have to be this way. He made sweeping changes to a team that was mm. not great, but not pathetic, um, and, and they've had their worst World Cup result, and um, why couldn't he have started the rebuild after the World Cup? He has four years heading into a home World Cup, um, but I just think he's seen the writing on the wall, and he's not a very popular man in the Australian rugby landscape mm. today. You think he's taken the easy way out? Oh, look, possibly. Um, is there more at play? Is, you know, the Japan story is correct, and Eddie denies that till the cows come home. But if he were to pop up in Tokyo next month, wouldn't that be interesting? Mm. So, interesting stuff there. Eddie's reign is over for me. They've got to go with Steve Larkham now as Wallabies coach. I think he can bring some pride back into the jersey. He's had a great stint with the Brumbies, and they really need to reunite that locker room. Seems some chat around Ian Foster. Surely that is just a joke. But time now for a break. When we return, more of our thoughts and insight on yesterday's final here on Rugby World Cup today with Surly on SENZ. Welcome back to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue now is out now, and I'm joined with Brad. I thought we'd have a chat, mate, just around this final yesterday, because hey. I'm struggling in a way just to get over that disappointment from yesterday. Of course, I'm full of pride. The fact that mm. we came one point short almost hurts even more, but what are your thoughts now after a day to reflect? Ian Smith said it best um, in that horrible Cricket World Cup final of 2019 by the barest of margins. And again, New Zealand lose a World Cup final by the barest of margin mm. margins. Richie Mwanga's conversion, you know, a couple of inches to the right. Geordie Barrett's con- uh, penalty, a couple of inches to the left. Uh, an- another key moment was the Scott, uh, the the Geordie Barrett chip kick for Artie Savia, oh. which was like inches from being a superb try. The tackle on Rico Yuani by um, Aronster, which was a match winner for South Africa. Phenomenal. Um, you know, yeah. there were just little moments. Mm. 
and bounces of the ball, like the bounce of the ball for Anton Leonard Brown when we were breaking down the left and it looked like we were we were capitalizing on a tired defense. I mean, we'd gone all the way from our 20 up to their sort of, you know, 30 meter line without much trouble. Um, and then, you know, and we, we pushed a couple of passes and it was just little moments in that game where South Africa were either just a little bit better or we made a mistake. Mm. Uh, and as you know, one point by the barest of margins, and I was watching uh, the highlights earlier, um, I was uh, for, for work, I was cutting up some stuff for work, and you know, I saw after 27 minutes, the score was 9 3. South Africa had only scored three more points in the rest of the test match. And if you look at that, and if I said to you, Surly, um, at the 27 minute mark, South Africa's only going to score three more points in this game, mm. you'd say, well, All Blacks going to win this game. We're going we're to be good enough to score 11 more points. And we just we weren't good enough to score eleven more points. So yeah. uh, at, the, at the end of the day, uh, it's just it's a tough spill to, pill to swallow. And I guess now we know how the French feel or felt in two thousand and eleven with their kick that just went to the right while Beavers one just snuck onto the inside of the post. Yeah, hundred so. percent. I messaged my mates in a group chat with after Geordie missed that kick and said, "Don't worry, boys, we're still going to win this we game." I, and, and Stevie D said it today as well. Mm. I said to my wife. Um, my son was frist, was crestfallen after that kick missed, and I said, "I said we're good enough to get another chance. I think we're going to get another chance. Like, uh, you know, we'll force another penalty. Something will happen." But yeah, we just didn't get back within their sort of twenty-two, and and never had a chance to try and win win the game. Uh, there is a, a little bit of talk around the final play whether or not the flanker who picked the ball up was offside after Fafta Clerk may have touched the ball. Yeah. Um, and Daniel McCarty alluded to that in commentary, and I believe that Rugby Pass have looked at that. And there's also a play where um, Eben Estabeth, um had an elbow to the throat mm. of a New Zealand player Sam Kane. Uh, in the first half, which is illegal, yes. uh, but was not picked up by the most pedantic of TMOs that you could possibly have. So Yeah, it's interesting, right? If you're going to be that pedantic and pick up certain you've things, got to you've got to pick up, up everything. everything. You do. Yeah. If you were going... And look, all of the decisions, they actually got right. Mm. Aside from probably the Khaleesi yellow, which should have been a red, I can't see what the mitigation was, was never fully explained to Artie Savia either. But if you were going to go that deep, you need to go that deep across the whole entire board. Mm. And our, and the Sam Kane send-off, I looked at it today, uh, it was a minute and 50 seconds uh, that the, play stayed, the ball stayed in play after that tackle. Uh, and it was like 11, 12 phases, and there were three kicks in between mm. that. Uh, and to me, how far back do you go? Like, you know, the whole game can change. And so, yeah, rugby needs to clean itself up. So I know how much you love the game. Yeah. I know how much you love the All Blacks yeah. and how much you've enjoyed this tournament, and, and I'm the same. But rugby needs to tidy itself up. It needs to borrow a few things off rugby league. Oh, 100%. And, and it, needs, it needs to tidy itself up. Well, the fact, like you said, we are two passionate rugby fans. The fact that we are saying that just shows how bad it is, right? And it needed to tidy itself up before yesterday. Yeah. This tournament, to me, has been living proof. The Aaron Smith yellow card in the Irish game. Uh, there are a couple of other send-offs. Like one of the Portuguese players got really, really unlucky with a red card where, with an innocuous tackle where he was slightly out of position. Like You, you need to look at and t- like rugby. Rugby League's got it right when it comes to the report system mm. and also for not trying to ruin a game by putting having a 12-on-13 game, right? Like, send-offs are only there for violent, mm. reckless play. And even then, there's some occurrences where what, you, what would look like a send-off is just 10 minutes in the bin yeah. and we'll look at it on Wednesday. Mm. 
you know, and uh, the NRL Grand Final was one of the best games of sport I've seen this year. Yeah. Andrew G put his whistle away mm. and said, I'm going to let these 26 players figure it out for themselves. Yeah, well, that's the saddest thing for me is the narrative wasn't decided by the players, unfortunately. But one player who controlled his own narrative, Peter Stefford Toy. Oh, my goodness. I think goodness. we have to talk about him because Geordie Barrett today will have multiple ice packs on those ribs. Yeah. Some of those lines Geordie were running, those were and, tries and, and in other games. And arguably Geordie had his greatest ever game in yeah. an All Blacks. I thought Geordie Barrett was was near perfect mm-hmm. aside from that kick. I thought he was excellent. But Peter Steftutoy, he decided that he was going to be a difference maker and he was amazing, mm. like brutal in defense, barely touched the ball. No. But just, I think, what, was it 20? 28 ta- tackles. 28 yeah. tackles. And all, and 28 were felt. Yeah. Tw- they were all and, dominant. And there was a moment where he just hit Shannon Frizzell, and he, it was the one moment where he actually kind of went back in a tackle. <laughs> and then after that, he got even more intense. And he was like, that's not going to happen to me again. Uh, tremendous, tremendous performance. Uh, and by all accounts, an absolutely wonderful human being, Peter mm. Steftatoy. And the other person that's really stood out for me, and he probably shouldn't have been on the field at the end of the game, was Sia Khaleesi, uh, was just his humility post-match the first thing he wanted to say at the end of the game was just congratulations to the All Blacks such a tough team and talking about what it meant to the South African people Uh, you know the one team that I don't mind losing to in a game like that is the Springboks because rugby means as much to them as it does to us and we have respect for them and they have respect for us. Yeah, well, the the power the power it has to unite their nation. Like you can't be mad about that. One thing I did want to touch on. Obviously, you're gutted for Sam Kane, but mm. you're also gutted for these other guys that are leaving. Your White Locks, your Aaron Smiths, those type of players. How how do you think their legacy will be? Like you got to be gutted for these guys, right? They're irreplaceable. End of, it's the end of an era, Surly. Uh, and what's mm. going to be really the the cool thing about this is what does raises. 30-man yeah. squad look like mm. next year and, and what's he going to do with halfbacks, first five-eights, the wing, the midfield, uh, the locks, mm. the back row. There's, there's going to be a lot of... Adi Savi is not going to be in the All Blacks next year. Yeah. I That, to me, excites me. The next four years under Razor, to me, is an exciting prospect. And it's even more exciting because I feel like the nation's got behind the All Blacks again. Yeah, so we're, this, we're there. the stage is set perfectly, we're there. isn't we're there. it? Yeah. And we've, got, and we've got a coach that the whole nation wants. Exactly. Yeah. So it's exciting stuff. Right, time now for the news. We could talk all day, mate. On the other side, we'll be joined by the legend Joey Wheeler here on SENZ. I just want to tell you Welcome back to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now, and it's a pleasure to welcome into the show the great man, Joey Wheeler. Mate, I've got to say, you were the MVP of the tournament for me from the TV side of things. I feel like you brought the fizz to lounges and pubs all around New Zealand, mate. Loved your work, but how were you feeling post-game once that full-time whistle went? I could imagine it was pretty emotional stuff. Oh, yeah. A bit like everyone, I think. You know, just... um just really gutted for the for the team and and the guys like yeah just the way that 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 team has come of age over the last you know eight to twelve months um they've man they've come through some adversity and I think probably against you know all our uh, predictions they you know got to that final um the the penultimate the ultimate against um the defending champs who. Geez, they're a formidable opponent when it comes to World Cups, aren't they? And um, I, I was, yeah, like it was mixed. Like I was gutted for them because they'd done enough um, in that game to win it. And I think that's 
what probably will be hurting them the most as well. Uh, missed a couple of opportunities, um, a few decisions that didn't go their way, um, and and that's what really stings. But man, it was some test match, wasn't it? Um, and yeah, I'm really proud, but yeah, a bit gutted, like just a, a kick in the guts when you thought you know they've they've played the you know the world champ, uh, well the number one team, ranked team in the world in the quarter final and put on arguably one of the best test matches um, we've ever seen and then um, to do that again against the box and not quite get it done just yeah a real kick in the guts really yeah you were out with the public mixing and mingling in amongst the punters as well and what was the kind of feeling amongst them because me I was parked up on the couch you know the old champagne brekkie and it's fair to say the mimosas stopped flowing pretty promptly after full time was that kind of the mood of all blacks fans anyway were people proud were they gutted what was the kind of overall feeling I was um so I finished off in the fox on the viaduct and oh, to be honest mate there was a real yeah like it was actually really positive around the, the the All Black fans. Like they were obviously gutted, but they were actually really proud of the of the team, which I was surprised about. Like obviously the sentiment was all around the decisions that got made and the red card, uh, the red card and the non red card and all that sort of jazz. But um, yeah, I think from uh, a general pundit's perspective, they were just really proud of our All Blacks and um, realised how tough. Um, it was for them to get that close playing with 14 men for 50 minutes of that game. Um, you know, like that's a, a staggering effort. So, yeah, there was obviously immense disappointment. They certainly still ripped into their work at the Fox. I'll give you the tip. They, yeah, <laughs> they, cranked, they cranked the music up and they, they had the, um, uh, what's his name, the, the big heavyweight, they had his fight on oh, and yeah. then it was, it was all go, mate. So, yeah, no, they, they certainly were thirsty for it still. Oh, you love to hear that. It was an interesting game. Like you said before, a few people not happy with the officiating. What did you kind of make of it? Not so much the red and yellow cards themselves, but the impact of the TMO and like, how do we move forward from here to ensure that kind of stuff doesn't happen again? Oh, just, yeah, I like frustrated. Um, it just it wrecks the flow of the game, right? And I think it's, consistent with everybody we, we just want to see a, um, a free-flowing game of rugby where people with the whistle or that are up in the up in the box watching the replays don't have a, um, the influence they're having at the moment on the game and I think that's the frustrating thing from a fan's perspective is that they're just having so much influence on the game at the moment and Rightly or wrongly, I still think that the majority of the time, the referees do an outstanding job and they generally get the decision-making, uh, the, the big calls right. Um, obviously, we just want to see it sped up and the consistency of those calls, mate. Like, that's, that, I think that's the most frustrating thing about this. You've got all this technology, but yet the consistency of it, it just it, it's still slipping up and I don't understand why that's happening. And that's the most um, annoying thing from a fan's perspective because it just ruins the spectacle. Yeah, South Africa, they played pretty well. And I feel like a lot of people aren't really talking about their performance. Like they had a game plan and they executed it. Their high kicks were precise. Their defense was immense. They deserve a lot of credit, don't they? Mate, they just suffocate the life out of teams. eh? They are the masters of test match footy and how, how you go about it, especially in those big games. And the biggest... That was my biggest fear around um, 
the game in the weekend was if it was wet and, and raining, that that would really play into their hands, and and it did. And like you're right, the kicking game, their defensive work, that's that's their bread and butter. They are just so so good defensively. Like that, oh, the All Blacks scored the first try against them in a World Cup final um, ever. So um, on uh, yesterday morning, so you know like. That's a staggering effort in itself. That they've been in. That was their fourth final, right? And they only had they've only had one try scored against them in all four finals. So, yeah, they're, they're an unbelievably good side, and they just suffocate teams into submission. And they they bully and they um, their tactical masterclass that they always produce. Like they do bring something different every time. And and Russian is. Um, coaching staff as mad as they are um, they do a fantastic job of coming up with um, a little bit of trickery but also they are just led so well by Sia Khaleesi and they've just got a deeper I suppose they've got a deeper why as well you know like they're, they're playing for something so much greater than just them as a team like it's um, yeah they've got they've got everything going for them at the moment mate one of those guys who certainly left an impact on a few All Blacks bodies was Peter Steph de Toy. Like I can't remember a seven putting in shots like that consistently for 80 minutes. I don't know what Geordie Barrett did to him, but, geez, he'll be feeling his shoulder today, right? <laughs> Beast mode, wasn't he? Oh, geez, crazy. I mean, well, like six foot five, six foot six, 120 kgs. Like, just absolutely monstering people. And, yeah, did it consistently. And, it, like, there was, that's no mean feat because they're, had what they had the French in the um in the quarterfinal, the English in the semi, and two teams that they just beat the crap out of each other for two weeks, and then they've come into that game, and he's still producing some of the biggest hits that you know we've seen. And and you're right, Geordie Barrett, I love that about Geordie though. He's just like he thrives in that too. Like mm. he just loves that physical physicality and and he was just into it he just kept coming and Peter Steve thought was going nowhere so yeah that was a great battle and um man he thoroughly deserved the um MVP of the of the final he was yeah quite quite um sensational in that final for sure and of course it was heartbreak for the All Blacks and the All Blacks captain in particular like how gutted were you for him just sitting there watching that game seeing his emotions you could tell he was heartbroken after a tournament where he's been unreal really and it feels like the nation really started to get behind him I'm sure no one's really coming for him now which is 100% fair there's no way people should be but it was just heartbreaking for him wasn't it seeing the way that that played out yeah gutted for Sam eh? like He's a phenomenal leader and, um, yeah, you could just see that he's just, you know, and, and I think he mentioned it in his, in his post-match media conference. He was like, sad thing is that'll be, um, I'll be remembered by that forever and um, he shouldn't be because you're right, he was absolutely phenomenal, um, especially in the tail end of this tournament and just gut-wrenching for him because, you know, look, yeah, the way he'd been playing and the way he'd been leading that side to go through all the adversity that I've been through in the last you know, 12 months. Um, he's been the guy that's copped a lot of criticism um, for, a, for a number of reasons, um, but he's always been steadfast in his belief around his team and he's had the backing and the respect of his players. And, man, he's just led, led by example and, and it would have just been great to have seen him you know, win, lose, or draw, but being out there for that, for that, for Wadey, because he deserved that, because he's a champion bloke and an awesome, a 
bloody unreal footy player um, and probably doesn't get the kudos he deserves until, obviously, his performance um, against Ireland. But, yeah, devastating for the for the guy. But um, he's made of the right stuff. He's got a lot of um, trusted mates. He's got the respect of um, the changing room. And that's, at the end of the day, that's all that really matters, to be honest. Like, yeah, it would be nice if um, the public actually got in behind Sam a little bit more. But... The, the, the people that really matter are, are the ones in the changing room with them and, and they all respect and love them dearly. So that's all that really matters at the end of the day, mate. And speaking of that changing room, there's a few icons of New Zealand rugby that unfortunately pulled on the jersey for the last time. Guys like Smith, Whitelock, Retallick, Coles. Like how will these guys be remembered? What a unreal team that we took to this World Cup full of icons, right? Yeah, that's it, mate. Icons of the game, you know. Um, uh, I heard a, a snippet, a little soundbite of Jace Ryan and his emotion, you know, calling him immortals of our game. And, you know, guys that have all played, you know, Colsey, what, 90-odd tests, pretty much the rest of them have all played 100 tests. And then also guys which, you know, you're kind of like gutted that they're leaving the likes of Richie Mwanga, Shannon Frizzell. They've sort of finally established themselves as these world-class, you know, 10, 6, and you're like, man, just love to see a few more years out of them um, in the black jersey. But, you know, they've decided, obviously, to, to reap the rewards overseas, which is fair enough, and you never begrudge someone from doing that. But, yeah, the, in terms of those other um, legends of our game, man, it's an end of an era, you know, like the likes of Aaron Smith not being in the number nine jersey now um, is going to be strange or not seeing Whitelock and Retallick in the second row, um, one of those names. It's just, it will be kind of weird because you just become accustomed to those guys being in and around that environment and having such an influence on this team and have been involved in so, so much success. And when they're involved in those teams, it gives you and everyone else so much confidence that the, the All Blacks are always going to be in with a sniff because they well, they're world-class rugby players, but they know how to win, and um, they've set the standard. And I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, but I'm also excited to see the next generation stamp their mark on the on the team as well. Um, which cause I think we've got some really exciting talent. But the one, the one for me is Aaron Smith. I just don't know. Um, that, that's going to be so hotly contested that number nine jersey next year as to who who grabs it with both hands and um, takes it to another level. Because man, he's just had a mortgage on that on that uh, All Black 9 jersey for, geez, what is it now? Probably 12 years, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. And seeing him do that final hucker, geez, I had tears in my eyes. It was emotional stuff. But someone yeah. else who's leaving as well, Ian Foster, his time as head coach is over. How do you think you'll be remembered? Because it's been a real roller coaster. But at the end of the day, to get this group to a Rugby World Cup final, that's got to be a successful reign, right? Yeah, mate. Like, I don't know his exact stats, but look, the, yeah, four years in charge. Um, you judged on you judged on your World Cup performance as a as an All Black coach, and he took them to a World Cup final when they just missed out. So it, it's got to be looked upon as a pretty successful ten years. The All Black coach, um, you know, oh, so much controversy while he he's been in charge, and and it's been from the start. And I actually feel a little bit for Fozzie in some regard around that because I, I do think New Zealand rugby let him down in a way from the start, from the outset, with the way that they handled the appointment process. They didn't, like they did this time round with appointing 
the head coach and then going and appointing the assistant coaches. When uh, Fozzie had to apply, he had to apply with his team of assistants. And so at that stage, uh, I, I believe that Tony Brown and Jamie Joseph were in his side, um, were in his uh, coaching group, and then at the last minute decided to stay with Japan. So he obviously lost out on two world-class um, assistant coaches there and then was scrambling, you know, and, and then two years down the track, he had to get rid of two and then bring, uh, you know, Joe Schmidt and um, Jason Ryan and and obviously from there, the team's just gone in an upward trajectory. So, yeah, I do feel for Fozzie, um, but uh, he, he should be looked upon as one of our one of our best coaches because, you know, he has taken us to a World Cup final um, and Man, we were within a whiskey, weren't we? And the team's certainly going in the right direction. So, yeah, I, I think he's had a really positive effect on the black jersey, even though he's sort of, in many ways, been quite polarising to the New Zealand public, rugby public. Um, I've always been a fan and think he's a really open, transparent and, and honest uh, rugby coach. And he, he had the respect of the changing room again and the trust of that changing room. And that's the thing that you saw with that side, they were they were steadfast. They they stayed tight amongst all that controversy, and then um, ultimately gave themselves a chance to win a rugby world cup, which is all you can ask for of an all black team every four years. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Well, cheers for your time, Joey, mate. Really appreciate you jumping on. And like I said at the start, you've been the MVP for me every time you do a live <laughs> cross, especially that one post that Island game. My group chats were lighting up. So love your work and I uh, hope you enjoy some well-deserved rest. No, thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure. And I just want to thank the New Zealand public for sort of, yeah, yeah. I guess opening um, their arms up, and I've, I've just loved it traveling around the country and being able to engage with all black fans. And we we certainly are the most passionate rugby nation around our all black team. And it's um, yeah, I've been lucky enough to have a front row seat and, and have a lot of fun, mate, as you can imagine. Yeah. And I was I was looking forward to dancing on uh, dancing on the bars uh, yesterday. It didn't quite happen, but uh, look, we're, we've had a great time, and it's been an awesome World Cup, and and a privilege to, to be a part of it so thanks for having me on yeah I'm sure we'll see you dancing in 2027 mate go well <laughs> cheers mother Welcome back to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. And as I mentioned at the start, tonight is the final Rugby World Cup Today show, so I thought for these last few minutes I'd give you my quick thoughts on the tournament as a whole as we wrap up this edition of the tournament. So was the Rugby World Cup 2023 a success? I genuinely believe so. There are a few moments there, there's some upsets that really set the tournament alive, plenty of drama, and a quarterfinals weekend which I think will go down in history as one of the best weekends of rugby that I have ever seen. Also, having been over in France for the pool stages, I thought the tournament was ran superbly well. The French, they were great hosts. The weather was amazing up until the finals. The fans, they truly brought into it. And no greater example than yesterday before the haka, the French fans still blasting out their national anthem. They're a proud bunch and their passion is unmatched. In terms of my most memorable moment from the World Cup, I think that All Blacks vs Island game you'd struggle to find a better moment than that so bring on 2027 in Australia 
four years away. To Ian Foster, Sam Kane and the team, thank you. We didn't quite go all the way, but we are so proud of you. Cheers to Logan, Brad and Jacob for all their work behind the scenes and cheers for you to tuning in as well to Rugby World Cup today.